Thank you for listening to the New Life Church podcast. If you need any information about our church or if you'd like to give online, please visit us at newlifekingman.com. Lord, your word tells us that the heavens declare your glory. And Lord, we declare your glory. We lift you high. We love you, Jesus. We praise you. We love you today, God. You alone are worthy, God. You alone, God, are worthy. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Just take a moment. Just just take a moment. Wait on him, Lord. We wait on you, God. We wait on you, God. You are worthy, God. We love you, Jesus. We praise you and glorify you, God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Father, I pray that you touch lives right now. Lord, heal those that are sick, God. Father, Bring comfort to those, God, that are mourning, God, I pray. Father, minister, God, to those that are weak. God, I pray that you would touch lives, God. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we thank you, Jesus. Oh, Lord, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, thank you, Jesus. You can be seated this morning. folks in first service this morning, I said, you know, one of the reasons that we linger like that is because uh, it's never good to eat and run. How many know what I'm talking about? Those of you that have adult children that will come home for a moment, eat and run, it's like, hey, wait a second. You hang out here for a little bit. How many know God loves us to hang out with him? Amen. I want to minister a message. Actually, I want to begin a series. Um, it's going to be a three-week, three-part series um, that I really feel uh, very heavy about. Um, this was something, once again, you know, it's, um, it's those things. And I guess this is a good thing because when I come to these places and I feel the weight, I feel the, the urgency, the, the, uh, the, 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 just the power and the presence of God, on what he's showing me and telling me. Not only do I feel that, I, I, to be honest with you, I'll just, just tell you straight out, I feel the conviction of God in it. And it's, you know, a lot of times that word gets kind of muddled a little bit, but it's, it's, it's the genuineness, it's the kindness, it's the, the love of the Father that comes and gently brings me into a place of understanding. And he has brought me into a place of understanding again, and this has been rattling around in me for a little while, and, and, um, and I want to share it with you because I think it's a weighty matter. I think it's something that we all as Christians really need to hear. I think that we need to embrace this, if I can use that word. Um, so I want to share with you this thought, and I want to begin this morning by asking you a question. I want to ask you a question. Have you ever been really hungry, really thirsty? Now, I'm not talking about, before you answer that question, I'm not talking about being a little peckish or you need something to wet your whistle. I'm talking about being hungry. You know, we all have those moments where we get hangry. How many know what I'm talking about? Pastor Alex, he gets hangry. 
you know, about 11 o'clock, he starts, it's like, I gotta get something to eat, man. I gotta, I gotta eat. You know, and that's hanging. I'm talking about being hungry. I'm talking about being thirsty. I'm talking about real hunger, real thirst, the, the kind of hunger that will consume your thinking, that, that, that it becomes so dominant that it's the only thing that you can think about is this hunger. You're, it's, it, it, it is blocking out every other impulse. I'm talking about that kind of hunger. Well, years ago, I remember, and I've told this story before, but I wanna, it, 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 it's, so, it's such a rich story. Years ago, when we were in the old building downtown, Pastor Pennington had called a three-day fast. And I'd like to tell you that in those days, I was really good at fasting. I know, I know, you look at me and you go, you're not real good at fasting now, but I'm a lot better at fasting than I was then. And so he calls this three-day fast, and we're not talking about the kind of fast that go, you know, we're giving up broccoli and Brussels sprouts for a couple days. I'm talking about water fast, nothing, nothing but water. And I remember the first day, I mean, we had started the fast. It, we're about 12 hours in, and I decide I, I got to brush my teeth because I need to taste something. And I remember just kind of sucking on the toothbrush, you know, and just like, wow, I didn't realize toothpaste tasted so good. You know what I'm saying? I, I'm like, wow, I, I was hungry. I, I, but by the third day, by Wednesday, because the agreement was is that we were going to break the fast on Wednesday night. And I'm just, you know, in my mind, if you ever want to plan meals for a week, fast for a few days, you will have a list of things that you want. You know how when you go to plan meals, it's like, ah, man, I don't know what to eat. Man, t- I, I had all kinds of things. And, and, I, and I knew, you know, the, I remember fasting through that time. And I remember I just came up with all kinds of things. And so I was planning. Man, I was planning for Wednesday night. And we were going to put on the feed bag. I was ready to go. So we get to church and, and Pastor Howard sets up a, a table in front of the church on the platform, and then he brings out an electric skillet. And then while he's preaching, oh, no. he's frying bacon. <laughs> yeah. And he's frying bacon, and I'm telling you, the, the smell of that bacon begin to waft through the congregation. And I'm sitting in the first or second row, and I remember just, I'm like dying. I'm ready to chew my own arm off. And I mean, and he's, you know, he's turning it and it, you know, he's pulling it out and it's golden brown. And I'm thinking, dear God, this is, is torture. And, you know, the point of his message was, you know, blessed are they that hunger and thirst for they, for righteousness, for they shall be filled. And so he's talking about this dynamic of hunger and to prove his point or to make his point, he's creating this intensity and I'm telling you, there wasn't a person, even those that were not fasting were still hungry. I mean, it's like, wow, that's that. Wow. I mean, I, even if you don't like bacon, you like the smell of it cooking. It's like, whoa, I like that. And I remember it created a hunger in us that whew, that was something. But let me say something to you. Most of us in the Western world rarely experience that kind of hunger. And the reason why is because we have such an abundance. Listen to what I'm saying. We rarely do we experience, most people in America don't experience that kind of hunger. 
And it's because we have so much, there's so much abundance, and there is a problem that comes with abundance. And that is, it often breeds neglect or negligence. It's so, such a part of the human condition. This is kind of part of the, the, the old man. See, when we have a lot of something, we tend to be wasteful or disrespectful or careless or lazy or apathetic or casual or disinterested. Are you hearing what I'm saying? See, when there is an abundance of something, it's easy to become unresponsive to what would have otherwise excited our emotions. Listen to that. When there is an abundance, it's easy to become non-responsive, unresponsive to what would otherwise get us excited. It's in the presence of abundance where we become bored and complacent. We get this, I can take it or leave it attitude, whatever. It doesn't really mean much to me. It's kind of like what we feel right after a big Thanksgiving dinner. We've all been there, haven't we? We've gone over to grandma's house. She puts on, you know, nine course meal, the turkey. She's got turkey, ham, mashed potatoes, you know, sweet potatoes. She's got, you know, green bean casserole and corn. And she's got, you know, I I don't know all the cranberries, all the fixings. And you sit down, you even wore your stretchy pants. How many know what I'm talking about? And you sit down and you just begin to eat and you eat so much turkey that the tryptophan begins to take effect and you know, you're kind of groggy and it's like, man, it's time for a nap. And then all of a sudden, just about that moment, grandma walks out with a great big uh, pumpkin pie. And she goes, let's all have pie. And you're like, oh dear God. And you're kind of disinterested. In fact, it's kind of like you don't want to say nothing to grandma. You don't want to tell her, you know, I don't want none of your pies. So you just say nothing. You kind of fade into the background. You, you know, you kind of get lost into the football game. I mean, you know what I'm talking about? You, you just kind of lose your thing there. And it's because, it's, it's not because you don't love pumpkin pie. Grandma makes the best pumpkin pie on the planet. And you were actually looking forward before the turkey showed up to having pumpkin pie. But now in the presence of of abundance, it's like, eh, I, I don't need no pumpkin pie. I can do without. I, I, don't, I don't. Yeah, we can, we can save it for later. No. We'll, we'll push it down the road a little bit. It's kind of how we feel, isn't it? And see, spiritually speaking, we have to guard against that thing. So I want you to think about this. See, we, we live in a world of spiritual abundance, now, I know, that I, I know, look, at, we live in a, in, in, a, in a society that's filled with its troubles. But let me tell you something. Having traveled the world a little bit, I can tell you America is still the best place on the planet. Amen. Okay, I can tell you that no one is preventing us from worshiping. No one is preventing us from going to church. No one is preventing us from reading the Bible. No one's preventing us from praying. I know that everybody jumps up and down. There's no prayer in schools. Well, let's get it right, church. It's organized prayer. You can pray at school. My wife prays every day at school, all day long at school. There are kids that pray at school. The thing is, what happens is in the presence of abundance, we tend to get complacent. 
But this spiritual abundance that we enjoy is really not so in other parts of the world. I remember hearing a story about these Chinese believers. They were in the underground church in China that was being heavily persecuted. And there was only one Bible for, I don't know, just a bunch of families. And so what they would do is they would take the Bible apart. They would tear pages out of the Bible and each family would get a page. And each week they would trade pages and this is how it went. And and, and they learned and they grew. Believe it or not, they grew. In the midst of it, they became very powerful Christians. Well, one day a missionary was able to smuggle in a case of Bibles and he brought them in and they're filming this and and as he opens up this case and all of these Chinese Christians saw these Bibles they ran to the box they grabbed the Bibles and they held it close to their chest and they begin to weep because now they have a whole Bible yeah. Are you hearing what I'm saying And the danger that we face in the presence of our abundance is oftentimes our pursuit of God becomes cool. It becomes passionless, lazy, careless, and even casual. Revelation chapter three tells us that this is nothing new. Listen to this, and I, look at, I need you to listen to this because this may sound like I'm being hard, but I'm not. I'm trying to communicate something to you that we've got to catch. We've got to catch this. Revelations 3, 14 through 19 says, And to the angel of the church of Laodicea, or the Laodiceans write, These things says the amen and the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works, that, they, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm, and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Now listen, because you say I am rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire that you may be rich and white, and white garments that you may be clothed that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed and anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chase and therefore be zealous and repent. Listen to that. What a powerful passion of scripture. And let me say first, before we go any further, Jesus spoke these things. This rebuke came because he loved them. Okay. So don't, don't misunderstand that Jesus loves these people, but he loved them enough not to remain intoxicated by their abundance. Are you hearing me? But he reminded them of their greatest need, and it was a passionate relationship with God. Church, let me say this to you. The the problem is, is we can get into a a mode of of, of lifestyle where we, we say things like this. Listen, we'll say things like this. Well, I give God a piece of my life. I give him some time. I, I, you know, I, I, I'll make time for him on Sunday. I give him some of my time. The reality is, church, God doesn't want your time. He wants your life. Are you hearing me? 
He doesn't want a piece of the pie. He wants the pie. In fact, you didn't make the pie. He did. He gave you the pie. Now he wants you to give it back. And he wants to bless it and sanctify it. And he wants to fill it. He wants to do things with it that you can't. And so what happens is we tend to get in this place of abundance and we kind of just go, oh, well, you know, I, I don't really got time for that. You know, I just, I, I just, you know, I just don't, man, I got a lot of stuff going on. I got, man, I got this. I got to pull the weeds in the garden and I got, you know, I got to walk the dog and I, I got, man, I got to watch my favorite episode of the Brady Bunch, the redoing that house and I got it. I got I to gotta watch that, and, and you know, I, man, I got tons of work to do, dude. I, you know, Sunday, wow, man. You, you know, and, and, and then, you know, Pastor, sometimes you get a long, little long-winded, and it might be, you know, might be almost 12 o'clock, maybe a little 12.05 before we get out of there. I, 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 you know, I just, I, I don't know. And then, you, you know, we... You guys do worship so weird. You know, you do two songs and you take an offering and then you do three more and then if somebody decides they're gonna be, you know, wordy, they get up and tell. I just don't know about all that stuff. Do you, come on, God, why, why, why do I gotta? And God's like, what in the world? What in the world? Do you know why we come to church? We come to church because we're gonna have an encounter with a living God. We are going to encounter his body. We're gonna come together in relationship. We're, we're gonna do life together. We're gonna fellowship. We're gonna build ourselves up in the, in, 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 the, in the strength of the body and we're gonna allow God to be God in our lives and so that he could strengthen us so that we can go into all the world and be the people he has called us to be. Can you say amen? But church, if we come with the attitude that I could take it or leave it, we'll leave it. We'll leave it sitting right at the altar. It'll be right there. Everything that you need will be right there. And it's like, well, you know, I, I'm really comfortable in my seat. I don't want to come down there. Well, church, you we ought to run to the altar. We ought to dive into the altar. You say, oh, now you're getting fanatical and that's... No, I'm not getting fanatical. I'm reading Bible. Can you say Amen. I think the problem has become, we've become intoxicated with the abundance. Too many options. Way too many options. Like, man, I could do this, I could do this, I can do this. But none of them will satisfy. Are you hearing me? So let's look at our text real quick. Psalm 63. I love this, this, this passage. Starting in verse 1, he says, Oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you, my flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. So I have looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory because your loving kindness is better than life. My lips shall praise you, thus I will bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands in your name, my soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth shall praise you with joyful lips. When I remember you on my bed, I meditate on you in the night watches, because you have been my help. Therefore, in the shadow of your wings, I will rejoice. Listen, my soul follows close behind you. I believe it's in the King James. It says, my soul follows hard after you. Your right hand upholds me. Listen to that. Listen to the passion. Listen to the longing, the hunger, the desperation in this psalm. 
all that we would get this church. I was sitting there when I was writing this sermon. I was putting my notes into the computer and I was just overwhelmed by that. I was, I was sitting there and I said, God, help us to get this. Help us not to get it intellectually, but help us to get it into our heart. Help us to have an experience with this. Help us to f- let this find us where we're at, that we would get this, that we too, just like David, would long for him. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Now listen to me. If I were to pick one word this morning that would describe our society, I think the most accurate word would be pressure. Think about it. We live in a day marked by pressure and stress in every area of life. If I were to take time and to go around and interview people in this room, I dare say that everyone in this room is dealing with a source of pressure and stress. Maybe it's in your home, maybe it's in your family, maybe it's in your finances, your job, maybe it's on a school, or maybe it's an extended family or a neighbor or or whatever it is. There is a source of pressure. There's a place of stress. Think about it. At five years old, we thrust children into school where they are pressured to perform and to compete. We, we, then we join athletic teams where there's more pressure to excel. We face the pressure of getting into college. And once we're there, we're trying to make it through so we could graduate. Then the pressure of getting a job. And once we get it, will we do well enough to, to keep the job or to be promoted? Then there are, fi- there are, there, there are family pressures. We, we're, we're pressured to find the right person so that we could stay together in a solid marriage, in a culture where divorce is easy. And then there are the pressures of raising godly children in a fallen world. Then there's world problems. All you have to do is get on the news just for five minutes and you could see there's enough problems in the world for anyone. Then there's economic problems. There's personal problems. The problems of friends and loved ones and all of that is pressing on our life. And in the midst of such pressure, there is one thing that will determine the course of your life. And that's this, your priorities. Listen to me. See, everyone has a set of priorities. And if your priorities are not clearly defined, you will, you will end up being swept downstream because of the pressure. And you will become a victim of your circumstances. You know what the problem with that is? Let me just do a little bit of a bunny trail. The problem is that can happen and we don't even know it. That can happen and we won't even know it. You know, there's a story in the word of God that I always find amazing. It's the story about Jesus when he's about 12 years old. He's with uh, Joseph and Mary and they come into Jerusalem to do their spiritual business, uh, taking care of things and and doing that and they traveled together. Well, then uh, Mary and Joseph go back home and they're gone, They're, they're, they're gone for a day and a half. And all of a sudden it dawns on them, where's Jesus? That's, that's a, that, dude, that's a question. We got to answer. Where, where's Jesus? It's a question being asked today. Where, where's Jesus? Uh, they lost Jesus. Right. Who loses Jesus? You know, that, that just is remarkable to me. And the thing that just blew my mind is that they were unaware of it for a day and a half. Right. 
And finally, they're, they're looking around the caravan. They're, they're going in everybody's tent. They can't find Jesus. Where, where did they put Jesus? Where is he at? This is, this is not a good day for Mary and Martha, or Mary, Mary and Martha, Mary and Joseph. Did I say Martha before? I probably did. Anyway, it's Mary and Joseph. They're kind of freaked out. So they go back into Jerusalem, and there's Jesus. He's teaching the the Sanhedrin. He's teaching the high priests, and they're asking him questions, and they're marveling at his wisdom. And they come up to Jesus, and they, why did you do this? And Jesus responds, what do you mean, what did I do? What, why would you look for me anywhere else? I'm about my father's business. What were you guys doing? <laughs> that, that's not written in the Bible, but I can hear it. You know, you're asking me what I'm doing. I'm doing exactly what I was sent here to do. Um, what are you doing? <laughs> it's easy to, to, to slip. It's easy to slip backwards and to come into a place of, of comfort. And, and, and it's like, oh, okay, everything's, you know, it's good. Man, life's good. Got a good church. You know, they sing well. I go in, they have the air conditioner on most of the time. You know, it's good. It's good. Most of the time, people leave me alone. They don't bug me. I'm good. I'm golden. But meanwhile, what's happening? Because there's this complacency, there's this abundance, and all of a sudden, you're slipping backwards. There's no passion anymore. Look, let me show you. Let me show you passionate worship. That's not passion. No. That's, that's spectating. But he calls us to be zealous. Now, are you saying, Pastor, all that, see, that's the problem. You want me to get out and be wild and crazy and goofy and act like, no, 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 no. No, what I want you to be is I want you to be from your heart. If, if, if this is from your heart, then carry on. But look at, I want it from the heart. I want you to come in. I want you to get, I want you to get saturated. I want you to enter in. I, I want you to dive in the deep end. I, I don't want you to wait till the lifeguard says jump in the pool. I want you to start from the bathroom and start running and dive into the deep end. And if you got your clothes on, so be it. I want you to get in. I want you to get as much as you can. Can you say amen? I want you to have all of God. But look, at you're not going to get all of God by sitting and doing nothing. Now, 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 let me just share with you just for a moment. See, all of God is there. It's all there. But you have to enter in. I've told you the story that Jesus is the door, right? He's the door. But there's so much beyond the door. We hang out at the door. We, we come in and we go, yep, I'm hanging out in the foyer. Never going further into the relationship. You got to walk in it. You got to get in it. You got to chase after him. Can you say amen? amen? I got to figure out. David was a man. <laughs> I got lost there for a minute. That, that was free, by the way. That no charge. David was a man who knew what it meant to live under pressure. As king of Israel, he knew the pressures of leadership. Now, just think about this for a moment. David understood. He, David, through his ordination and the years waiting up till he took the throne, there was pressure. And then when he took the throne, there was pressure. There was difficulty. 
And in this particular moment, the difficulty that's rising is because David finds himself in the desert. As he's writing Psalm 61, 62, 63, he is in the desert. He's running from his own son who is trying to usurp him, who's trying to take the kingdom away from him. His son is trying to kill him. But here he is, and then he writes this. He, he says, oh, my soul hungers and thirsts after you. I long for you. I want you. I'm, I'm parched. I need you. See, we, he didn't come whining. He didn't come complaining. He came and says, I just need more of you. I need you, Father. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And he writes Psalm 63. And this passion is amazing. And this psalm is one of the most read and quoted psalms of all the psalms, except for Psalm 23. In fact, back in the early fathers, in the early days of the church, the early church fathers, they decreed by ordination that no day should pass without a public reading of this psalm. Think about that where every day we wake up and you say, God, I long for you. I hunger for you. My soul is thirsty for you. See, Psalm 63 shows us the priority of a man of God under pressure. And I wonder if we were under the same kind of pressure that David faced, I wonder if we would be singing and writing songs. Come on. It's interesting to note to me that in this psalm, there's not one word of David asking for a blessing. Oh yeah, the last two verses of the, of the psalm, if you get there, there's a declaration. He declares his enemies will be defeated, but he doesn't come before God in this instance, and he doesn't say, God, this is what I need. He comes before God and says, I long for you. I'm hungry for you. I chase after you because he understood that God was his answer. Can you say amen? amen? See, no matter what the pressures that come in your life, no matter what they are, you'll be able to handle them if you maintain one priority above all else, and is that, that is earnestly seeking the Lord. Are you hearing me? Now, the Bible is filled this morning with stories of people who earnestly sought after God that through deep faith, with steadfast willingness to serve, God used these people in a powerful way. And I believe it's because they were determined to seek God. And one of the kings, there's a couple of them, Uzziah was one. The Bible says of Uzziah that because he sought the Lord, he was marvelously helped. In fact, it goes on, it actually says, when he became strong and rose up in pride, See, somewhere he stopped seeking God and it said destruction came. But King Asa, it's in 2 Chronicles chapter 14, tells the story, and I want to read this to you. I want you to catch this. So Abijah rested with his fathers and they, were, and they buried him in the city of David. Then Asa, his son, reigned in his place. In his days, the land was quiet for 10 years. Asa did what was good and right in the eyes of his, the Lord his God. For he removed the altars of the foreign gods in the high places, and he broke down the sacred pillars and cut down the wooden images. He commanded Judah to seek the Lord, God, the Lord God of their fathers and to observe the law and the commandments. He also removed the high places and the incense altars from all the cities of Judah. And the kingdom was quiet under him. 
And he built fortified cities in Judah, for the land had rest. Are you getting kind of a picture here? He had no war in those years because the Lord had given him rest. Therefore, he said to Judah, let us build these cities and make walls around them and towers, gates, and bars while the land is yet before us. Because we have sought the Lord our God, we have sought him, and he has given us rest on every side. So they built and they prospered. That caught my attention. So many of us today need rest. I'm not talking about laying down and taking a nap. I'm talking about peace. I'm talking about rest. I'm talking about a release from the turmoil, a release from the confusion, a release from the stress, a release from those things that we cannot seem to solve. I'm talking about a rest. And that's what Asa is getting here. He had no war. It was quiet. No one was invading. There was no problems. There was no difficulty. In fact, God helped them to build. And then he says, and I prospered them. Now I want you to think about this for a moment because this word prospered, you know, we generally, we, we really have this uh, fantasy about making the word prosper all about money dollars and cents. We want to think that, you know, God's going to make me prosper. I'm going to have a big checkbook and I'm going to drive a great car and I'm going to have a big house and all those things. And certainly God's not against them. Don't misunderstand. But those are the beginning. That is just a small tip of the iceberg. This word prosper is much bigger. It's talking about something that's internal. It's talking about a relationship with God. It's talking about a peace, a contentment, a satisfaction that can come from no other source. He's talking about a prosperity where we walk in the presence of Almighty, where his manifest presence begins to move in our lives, where there is quiet, there is peace, and there is rest, and we are satisfied, and we are filled, and his presence is before us, and the kingdom of God is in us. We're talking about a prosperity that only comes from the hand of God, and it comes because we seek him. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Come on. There's such so much more to prosperity than dollars and cents. This word literally, the, the Hebrew word literally means to advance, to succeed, to be profitable. Listen, to break out mightily. This is what he's talking about. It is the natural and logical result of seeking God. I was thinking about it in the office between services. I was thinking about this dynamic of rest because this is on my mind quite a bit. And I was thinking that, you know, oftentimes I'm convinced that <clears throat> if I just go home, turn off the phone, if I get behind closed doors and go into the bedroom, turn the lights down and just kind of hibernate, that I'm gonna be okay, that I'm gonna rest. I find myself actually more tired after that. Yeah. I find myself more um, um, stoved up. I find myself more stiff. I find myself not fulfilled. I've marked time, but time has not done nothing. I'm learning, I'm not there yet, but I'm learning that when I enter in, when I press into him, there's something more. It's the, it's the exercise, it's the effort of the pressing in. It's the seeking. 
The Bible tells us that it's the glory of a king, it's the glory of men to seek out a situation, to seek out something. God wants us to seek. He wants it because when we find it, it makes, it, it makes the find so much better. So much more satisfying. Are you hearing what I'm saying? He says in Hosea chapter 10, verse 12, he says, sow for yourself righteousness, reap in mercy, break up your fallow ground, for it's time to seek the Lord till he comes and rains righteousness on you. Seek God. So what does it mean to seek God? What, is that, what does that really, really mean? It means to search with care, to inquire, to frequent a place, to seek with purpose, to investigate, to study and follow after, to seek with application in mind. It, it, it implies the search of something precious. We've all searched for precious things, haven't we? It's funny, the other day, my son Andrew, most of you know Andrew, uh, graduated uh, back in the beginning part of the year from GCU. He got his, his bachelor's degree. And when he got his bachelor's degree, he came over and he was showing it to us. It was in an envelope. And he says, yeah, I'm going to get it framed and all of that. And he goes, but before, before I do that, he goes, before I get a frame, can you hang on to it? We just keep it here, he says, because I don't, I, you know, Oliver thinks every piece of paper is scrap paper and he always draws artwork. And I, I don't need my degree with Oliver's uh, artwork on it. And I said, sure, we'll keep it. And I kind of had forgotten about that and time had passed. Well, the other day, Andy calls me up and he says, hey, do you got my degree? No. Why would I have your degree? Aren't you a big boy? Keep stuff like that. He goes, I gave it to you because I told you I didn't want Oliver drawing on it. And I'll, I go, I don't have it. So then the frantic search began. We're looking in every crevice and every closet and every corner. You know, I'm looking under everything. Can't, I can't find it. And I'm thinking, dear God. Well, in the back of my head, I'm thinking, okay, 30 bucks and you get a new one. You know, whatever. <laughs> but, you know, we're searching. We're looking. We're, 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 we're pushing in. Right. Finally, we call Kathy and she says, oh, yeah, it's in the china cabinet. It's like, oh, okay, great. <laughs> the one place. How many I have? Here's a statement. Well, I found it in the last place. Well, of course it's the last place. You look, you found it. Even if it was the first place you look, it's still the last. Anyway, that's a whole nother thing. That's a whole nother thing. Any, anyhow, we found it, we, but it was valuable. It was something, and, and we searched for it. And isn't that what the Bible tells us that God does with us? Doesn't he go through the parables, the lost coin, the lost sheep? Doesn't he go through all of that? Doesn't he, you know, he, he goes through this whole thing, and he says, you know what, I searched. He, I left the 99, I went after one, I searched. Well, there's an expectation that we would be like our father, and that we would search after him, that we would press into him, seek him. Can you say amen? Yeah. In Proverbs 8, 17, it says, I love those who love me, and those who seek me diligently will find me. Riches, riches and honor are with me, enduring riches of, and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold, yes, fine, than fine gold, and my revenue than choice silver. What is he saying? Because when you find me, you're going to find something that will blow your mind. Are you hearing me? You know, Jesus caught this same idea. In Matthew 6, he says this. He goes, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. And we know this morning that those things that Jesus was referring to were the things that he talked about, food, 
shelter, clothing, all of that. But there's much more to Jesus's things. Are you hearing me? It's not just food and shelter and clothing. There isn't an impartation of his life in our life when we seek him. The Bible says in Proverbs 8, 34, it says, blessed is the man who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting at the post of my doors. For whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. What a wonderful portion of scripture. When you seek him and find him, you find life. There's great joy when we seek him and find him. In Psalm 105, three, it says, glory is his name. Let the hearts of those rejoice who seek the Lord. Seek the Lord in his strength. Seek his face forevermore. There's an uh, unspeakable joy that comes in seeking the face of God. Uh, there is an abiding peace. We've already talked to Asa. Asa had peace and he had rest because he sought the Lord. In Jeremiah 33.3, it tells us there's revelation when we seek him. He says, call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. And there is a deep understanding when we seek him. Proverbs 8.5 says, evil men do not understand justice, but those who seek the Lord understand all. Underline all. There is a strength when we seek him. Isaiah 40 verse 31 says, but those that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings of eagle. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. This idea of waiting on the Lord is not waiting like, you know, twiddling your thumbs, passing time. It's about waiting, serving him. There is a security when we seek him. Psalms 119 verse 9 says, How can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. With my whole heart I have sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. Your word I have hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. Listen to that. See, how many understand reading the Bible is a type of seeking God? We're seeking him. There's a satisfaction and a contentment. When we seek him, Matthew chapter five, verse six says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. There's no doubt about it. The answer for every area of your life today is found in seeking him. Listen to this in Lamentations chapter three, verse 20 through 25. It says, through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. Are you hearing that? But church, so many people just put that aside. I don't got time. You don't have time not to. This should be... Everything else should be a lesser priority. Are you hearing me? It is why we were created. Listen to Acts chapter 17, verse 26. From one man, he created all the nations throughout the whole earth. He decided beforehand which should rise and fall, and he determined their boundaries. His purpose in all of this was that the nations should seek after God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Though he is not far from any one of us, for in him we live and move and exist. And as, 
as one of your own poets said, we are his offspring. Church, the danger that we face is simply this, losing our passion for God and becoming lukewarm. And it's so easy, it's so simple, it's so unnoticeable, but it is so deadly. It will hurt us. It will, it will crucify us. It will take us out. I don't know what it means when he says, I will vomit you out of my mouth. I don't know what that means. I actually looked around in commentaries and everybody kind of stays away from it. I think the best thing to do is just seek the Lord. Stay hot. Stay hot. Then we don't got to find out. We don't need to know. There are certain scriptures in the word of God. Look at, I believe in the grace of God beyond measure. I believe God is a gracious God. I believe that his grace is beyond what we can fathom. But there are certain scriptures that bear warning to us. And he warns us because he is a loving, caring, good father. And he says, look at, you're not gonna be able to pull this off unless you seek me. You're not gonna be able to survive a lot if you don't seek me. Oh, church, I've tried to do it the other way for a long time. I've, I've banked on natural ability. I've banked on just surviving the day. Yes. And it just isn't working anymore. This is so heavy on me, and like I said, there's some even a little conviction, because I want what Asa got. I think about that all the time. Rest. I just need rest. Rest. And I am certain and, and absolutely convinced that the rest he's talking about is not ceasing from activity, but it's being in an atmosphere. It's being immersed in the presence. It, <clears throat> it's being yoked. The Bible talks, Jesus talks about my burden is light, my yoke is easy. And he says, he says come, all, come unto me. That's a seeking, right? And I'll give you rest. The reason the yoke and the burden are light and easy is because what, what this is a picture of is it's, it's a picture of an older, experienced ox with a young ox and this great big yoke. Well, the old, experienced ox is carrying the weight and the burden. All the young one has to do is come alongside. And church, what happens is we want to carry the load. We want to do it ourselves. God, I don't got time for that. No, you got time. You need to give it. Can you say amen? Why don't you bow your heads with me? Father, we thank you. God, we glorify you in this place and we magnify you. And we love you today. And Father, we just worship you and we thank you for your goodness. We thank you that you give us this revelation. And Father, we come to you, Lord, we make this commitment that we are going to seek you. Lord, we're going to prioritize you, God. We're going to put you first in our lives. And Father, we ask that you help us and that you would remind us in those moments, Lord, where we uh, inadvertently allow life to get in the way, where we allow life to take more of a priority, that you will gently remind us, seek me, look for me, you'll find me. I'm not far from you. I pray, Lord, challenge us, challenge us.
and encourage us. And Father, we're careful to give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Praise God. Isn't he good this morning? Hallelujah. Why don't you stand to your feet all across this place? We're going to let you go this morning. We want you to go have a great afternoon. Enjoy one another. Remember, next week we'll be doing part two, and we're going to have a good time in the Lord. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for listening to the New Life Kingman podcast. We can't wait to see you next week.